Let's uh, let's pray together, Father. There is uh, something that we cannot fathom, and that's this idea that we are yours and, and you are you are ours. I am yours, you are mine. Um. Thank you that we can call upon your name and that you will save and that you will uh, dwell with us. And as we turn to your word, we pray that the words that we read and hear would be your words, that they'd be a living word, that they would uh, come in our heart and that they would give us life and hope and that they would change us. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, We are looking at the Lord's Prayer. Um, We're going to look at Luke's telling of Jesus teaching this prayer. So please turn to Luke chapter 11. Um, And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to what the Lord has for us today. Students, we're going to have you in here the entire time today. Um, We do have a note sheet for y'all. You can, if you like taking notes, please take notes in the bulletin. Um, And we're going to start with Luke chapter 11, uh, verses 1 through 4, and then I'm going to skip to verses 9 through 13. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And now jumping to verse 9. Jesus says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Today, we are talking about our daily bread. Um, Why is it that bread is so comforting? Why is it that you can go to a kitchen where there is freshly baked bread and you're just, whoa, I mean, the world is all good. Everything's right in the world when that happens. Um, There's something comforting about bread. You might know the story of um, orphans in World War II in in London and England. children that were orphaned by the bombing in World War II, and they were sent to these refugees camp, ref, refugee camps uh, where they were taken care of. But many of the children had a difficult time sleeping. Even though they, even though they got food there, um, they were still very frightened. And someone came up with the idea, let's, let's give them bread not to eat, but to sleep with. And they gave these children loaves of bread, and it, it comforted them. 
They knew, hey, we ate today. This bread is a sign that we're going to eat tomorrow. And it comforted them and just reminded them, you're secure, you're secure. Something about bread that is very powerful to our senses, not to mention our sense of security. Jesus says, pray, give us our daily bread. So as, we, as we've been going through this Lord's Prayer phrase by phrase, um, or now that we've gotten a little bit way, a little through the, the Lord's Prayer, I want to start teaching a memory device that may help you remember just these different phrases of the Lord's Prayer and what we are praying for. Um, so let's start from the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. This will go quickly, and then I'll get on to give us our daily bread. I'm starting from the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. First thing that we're going to start with is by thinking about God's name. Now, I think about God's name. God's name is holy, sacred, set apart, different from all other beings. He's perfect. He's pure. He's beautiful. He's without flaw. He is without any limitations or weaknesses. We worship God's name. By doing that, we are worshiping who God is. We recognize that when we pray, we're praying to the Lord, Father, and God Almighty. He's not your buddy. It's not a casual relationship. It's a very personal and loving relationship. It's very dear. It's intimate, but it's not casual. I mean, we are coming in prayer to the absolutely holy one. And when we think about that, it may even be a little terrifying at times, but, but Jesus says, don't worry, he is your father. But you start by worshiping God's name. Next phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to think God's place. Where does the king sit? Well, the king sits on his throne, doesn't he? God's place is on his throne, reigning over the world. And he brings about, the king brings about what is, what is just and right and kind and merciful because those are attributes of his kingdom. And he's bringing that to you. He invites you to be a part of his kingdom. And unlike earthly kings who can be opposed, who can be thwarted, who can even be dethroned, Unlike our earthly kings, our God will sit on his throne unchallenged, undefeated, always joyful and delighted because of his power to bring about his good and perfect will forever and ever. So our God is able to do anything that he pleases. Remember the place of God. Remember his name, God's name, God's place. So, when you pray... Remember, you're approaching the king on his throne now. When you approach the king on his throne, what do you say next? I mean, you are in the presence of a king who has the power to bring about the future, anything that he wants. What do you ask the king? Do you ask the king, hey, king, how about the Mastros? Is that what you ask the king? Of course not. You want to ask the king something else, don't you? You come to the king with your needs. You ask. You ask for him to come in and to take care of you. 
And this leads us to the very next part of the Lord's Prayer. Give us today our daily bread. Now, it's been noted that bread, um, that bread is not here referring to bread only. Because maybe someone needs something other than bread. Or maybe someone is gluten allergic and can't have bread. Are they out of luck? Of course not. This is an example of Jesus using a part to refer to the whole. He uses something smaller to refer to something much bigger. Ask for your daily bread. That means asking for all of your needs. Any of your needs. Come to God with your daily needs. And so, you pray for God's gifts. As you go through the Lord's prayer, as you make this prayer a daily part of your prayer life, you think, God's name place, God's gifts, and we'll keep going throughout the rest of the series with this little way to remember the Lord's Prayer. We pray for God's gifts. Um, And just like every phrase of the Lord's Prayer, it is possible to mindlessly recite them or recite the prayer. And so I want to mention three very important things that this phrase, give us our, this, today our daily bread, it, that that phrase invites us to do so that we're not just mindlessly reciting it. First thing that this invites us to do, this phrase invites us to do, is to trust God continually. See, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he didn't rush into the asking for daily bread part. Begin by exalting God's name, remembering his place, remembering the king. And when you start with God's name and God's place, you focus on God's power and his love and his intent to to bring about good to his children, that helps us trust God continually. And in this phrase, give us today our daily bread, Jesus uses vocabulary, specific words meant to inspire trust, So imagine being one of the Jews 2,000 years ago, listening to Jesus as he teaches on prayer. You're an Israelite for the moment. And you hear Jesus mention daily bread. What do you think those Jewish people thought of when Jesus said that? The manna. The manna from heaven that God provided the ancient Israelites as they were wandering through the wilderness for, for 40 years. The manna that just appeared out of nowhere. They're in the desert wilderness. Not a lot of food sources around. And God provides for all of his people. Daily. God told them, don't store this manna up for the next day. Every day except for the day before the Sabbath. He said, don't store it up. Because I will give you more the next day. I want you to learn to trust me daily. When tomorrow becomes today, I will give you more. But trust that it's going to be enough. Trust me continually, every day. Apparently, God's pretty confident in his ability to make bread come out of nowhere, because that's what he did. And he can do that. So today, right now, you can trust God. Today. That's when God comes to us today. Today. The present moment. 
if you trace through Jesus' teachings and what he wants us to know about our Heavenly Father over and over and over again, you'll see this. Jesus teaching us we can trust God continually. And there's a storm blowing around, and you think you're a goner and you're going to sink. Jesus says, trust God. You're in a desert, and there's no food sources around, and you are out. God says, or Jesus reminds us, trust God continually. Second, you ask God confidently. Ask. Don't forget to ask. Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you for Everyone who asks, receives. And then Jesus, I mean, Jesus liked to tell parables that were a little ludicrous. And then he would use a ludicrous story to make a point about God. Imagine a father getting a birthday present for his son. And all month long, his son says, Dad, you know what I, the, the, what I really want? is I want you to teach me how to fish. What I really want for my birthday, I don't want anything else. All I want for my birthday is a fishing rod. Just give me a fishing pole and teach me how to fish. So dad goes out shopping. But instead of going to academy, he goes a little bit further. He goes past that and he goes to Eddie's Exotic Animals and he goes inside and he finds a nice little copperhead snake. Dad thinks, oh, this will be perfect. I can put it in a long, thin box, the kind that a fishing pole will come in, and son will open that up on his birthday, and surprise, a little zing. What? Or Jesus would say, you know, imagine a father getting that Easter basket ready for his daughter. You know, his wife asked him to take care of the Easter basket, and we all know when dads take care of the Easter basket, it can be pretty dangerous, so he decides to be a little creative. Chocolate, jelly beans, who needs that stuff? I'm going to go get something and put a little surprise underneath that Easter grass in the basket. So dad goes out and replaces the Cadbury and the Reese's eggs with something different. And little daughter Easter morning comes up and starts digging around in that Easter basket, notices something special, a little scorpion in there. Imagine that. Who does that? Nobody. And that's Jesus' point. He says, you who are evil. Maybe you've maybe you've thought about doing something like that. Maybe you've maybe you've been like, whoo, oh, it's kind of a fantasy of mine, but that would be pretty fun. Not to my kids, but to one of my enemies, you know. You're evil, Jesus says. You've thought about stuff like that. And yet you know how to good, give good gifts. Imagine what your holy and loving Father will give to those who ask. That's, that's Jesus' point there. So ask. We should not hold back in asking from our Heavenly Father. So think about the promises we read in the New Testament. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. In every situation, 
Jesus says, ask, ask, ask. You know, in Jesus' day, it wouldn't take too much for someone's pantry to be empty. You know, uh, done rain for a little while, poor crop, season, one too many locusts, and there's a bunch of empty, empty pantries, right? And Jesus wanted people to know you don't have to be worried. You don't have to worry because God, too, has a pantry. He's got a pantry. And he's going to open it up, and he's going to give you your daily bread so you don't have to worry. And even if you have a full pantry today, you've got other needs. Ask God for them, and he will give them to you because he's a loving father. So you can ask confidently. And then the third thing that this phrase invites us to do is thank God consistently. And I want to spend a little more time with this last one. Look at what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, rejoice always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances. Not just the, the good feeling circumstances, but the difficult circumstances. Every circumstance, give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's God's will for us to give thanks consistently. Look at three reasons why we must be thankful consistently. One, thanksgiving reminds you every good thing you have comes from God. Steve Anderark read James chapter 1, verse 17 earlier today. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of heavenly lights. Now this verse helps us realize how active God is in your life. How active is God in your life? Well, all you have to do is start thinking about good things in your life. Little little questionnaire for you. You can ask yourself this. Is this a good thing in my life? Yes or no? Yes, it is. Well, that means it came from God because God gives every good and perfect gift. If it's a good gift, it came from God. That's how active God is in your life. God's blessings are some of the sure signs of God's love and presence. But if you take them for granted, that means you aren't noticing God bringing them to you. God's God's blessings are meant to point our gaze up to God, and if we're taking them for granted, the good gifts, we're not allowing our gaze to, to go to God. And without remembering the goodness, that that goodness happens to me because of God, then I start thinking that I am responsible for the goodness in my life, that it's through my efforts, through my ingenuity, uh, that good things and good breaks happen in my life. So when I am thankful, that helps me to avoid taking God's gifts for granted. Two, thanksgiving prevents you from mistaking your efforts for earning Because I know there's someone out here thinking, wait, 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 this is kind of religious talk here. Don't we just earn all of our stuff anyway? Like the bread in my pantry, and I kind of earned it. I paid for it with my paycheck that I earned. Someone's thinking that. Um, We like earning in general. There is one scripture... (laughs) in the Bible that that tells of a time when someone should not receive daily bread. 
You know that one time is? It's in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. For even when we were with you, the Apostle Paul is writing, we gave you this one rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Um, I mean, we, we use the word earn in our culture like, like a victory, like celebration, like you're out of college and now whoo, it's time for you to go earn a living. Get on out there. Um, so this verse, uh, 2 Thessalonians, that of course does not mean, you know, if you're let go from work and you can't find a job, you shall not eat. Of course it doesn't mean that. But it does point to something. God has called each and every person to some work, whether paid or unpaid, but some productivity, some cultivating something else for the benefit of others around them, that kind of work. God has called each person to some work, paid, unpaid. And if you just loaf around lazily and you reject that calling to be a blessing to those around you, you don't contribute anything to the community. Yeah, you shouldn't count on others <laughs> feeding you. I mean, we, in all of this, we're like, yeah, right on, because we like earning. Um, more commonly in our culture, a person you know, tends to look at all that he has acquired and accomplished and say, look at what I've done. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've earned. With the emphasis on I. And Jesus would have us reconsider that. Um, I think there's two reasons why we should reconsider that. One, because I'm never working alone. I mean, I'm never working alone. I'm, I'm working, and, and my work is joining the collective work of others around me in some form or fashion. Now here, at Hope Church, church staff, church leaders, the Hope Church family, all of our work coming together. Working for the kingdom of God. Martin Luther recognized that when we pray for our daily bread, we're, we're, we're trusting God with all the complex and, and uh, intermingling work of others, set of actions that are required to get me that daily bread. You know, someone had to plant the seeds. Someone had to harvest the wheat, kind of like the the little red hen baking the the cake, right? Someone had to do all the work. Someone had to crush the grain into flour and bake the loaf and get it to the store so I could go get it. Now, a lot of things had to happen for that bread to get in my pantry. So I'm, I can't be so insistent that it's all me because everyone's doing their work together. It's coming together. And two, not only are we working together, to get bread in my pantry, all of our work is dependent on the blessings of God for the success of it. So, as we pray, give us our daily bread, I encourage us to think effort not earning. That way, everyone can pray this. Even the CEO of a Fortune 500 company can pray, give us our daily bread, because that CEO realizes how her work is just joining the work of hundreds or thousands of, of her employees 
And what's more, the CEO recognizes God without, even with all of our combined efforts, without your grace, this would all be for naught. Without your grace, bringing about good things from our work. Without your grace, helping us to stay working together instead of getting ticked off and leaving. Without your grace, holding us together. Well, our effort might just as well end up with complete failure and disaster. And so even the CEO can look at her pantry and see that that loaf of bread is there, not because she has earned it, (laughs) but God has provided. And three, Thanksgiving motivates you to share with others. Um, One thing we have to notice in this prayer is Jesus does not say, pray this, give me today my daily bread. That is not what Jesus says to pray. Give us today our daily bread. See, this is a prayer that the community prays. This is a community praying for the needs of the community. And if my pantry is full, and if I realize my pantry is full, not because I earned it, but because God has blessed me, that when, then when I pray, give us our daily bread, I realize, you know what, God, the way that you might be giving someone in my community bread for the day, it may come through me sharing what's in my pantry with them. I have something to give. And there's at least one more great benefit of being thankful. Thanksgiving reminds you. It, prov- it reminds you. Thanksgiving prevents you. It motivates you. We went through those points. And it encourages you. Let me talk about that. It encourages you when God does not give the bread that you ask for. See, sometimes we ask for the wrong thing without knowing it. We ask for something that would harm us if we were to get it and then it were to play out. Unknowingly, we'll ask for a snake in a box. (laughs) And we think it's good. But God sees further down the road than we do. God sees the impacts of things. And sometimes God knows this is not good. It's a little like that book, if you give a mouse a cookie. You know that kind of annoying children's book? Uh, you know, you, where one thing leads to another. If you give a mouse a cookie, you know, the next thing you know, he's lying dead in a diabetic coma. You know, one thing leads to another. Something like that. I don't know. I don't, I've never read that book. Actually, I have. And God won't give to us the snake in the box because God refuses to give his children snakes and scorpions. But in the moment when that happens to us, it could seem like God is being aloof, that God isn't listening, that God is uncaring, that God is not capable. 
and being thankful for God's past faithfulness in providing daily bread encourages us in the moment. So what is the daily bread that you are praying for? What are your needs? I want you to think about what are my needs? And I want you to think about what are the needs of the community? Hope Church community, your neighborhood, your community of students at school. What are the needs of the community that God could be prompting me to help meet because maybe my pantry's full? There's one more thing. Our daily bread... uh, our daily bread that we need. It's physical, but it's also spiritual. We need spiritual daily bread, don't we? And that spiritual daily bread, it's Jesus. Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Don't forget as you think through your needs. Think about your need for Jesus. And maybe you're here this this morning and you don't know why you came. You're here and maybe it's because you need Jesus. Maybe you've been neglecting that relationship with Jesus and you've been running hard and you've been working. But you haven't been spending that time with Jesus, and you realize, oh, Jesus, I I need you. I need you, my daily bread. Jesus says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Ask, and it will be given you. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we... We praise you for your goodness, your power, your holiness. We praise you because nothing will thwart your good and perfect will coming to us. You are without equal, you're without rival, Lord. We know we can trust you. In this moment, we want to pray. For our daily bread, we want to pray for our needs, our individual needs, the needs of the community. We pray that you would meet our needs, that our pantry would be full. Let's start there. We pray that there is no one hungry, either in our church family or in the the Clear Lake area. We pray that there is no hungry people, that you Bless us with that physical food and whatever the other needs are, Lord. Lord, we know we can apply effort. Effort's good. But we also know that we are dependent on your grace. And we, we ask for your grace to help our efforts to be productive. And when our efforts are, when they fall short, that your grace would make them more than enough because you do that. You take five loaves of bread and two fish and you make it more than enough to feed thousands of people. And we also know, Lord, that we have this spiritual bread need and we pray for you. 
I ask everyone while we're praying or heads are bowed, just prayer posture. If, if this morning you're like, Jesus, I need you. You know what you could do? You can just kind of raise, lift up your arm. Just no one's watching, but it's a prayer posture where you ask Jesus, Jesus, will you come and fill me? So we just lift up, just lift up your hand to the Lord. This needy little hand. And know that Jesus will give to you himself. He will give to you his Holy Spirit. How much, how much the Lord is willing to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask, Lord, we ask for your spirit this morning. I pray for your spirit this morning. to come and refresh us and renew us and strengthen us and give us hope and encouragement and power to live holy lives and generous lives as we share our daily bread with others who are in need. Lord, we pray for your spirit, the spirit of holiness and goodness and love. Come and fill us. We are your hungry children Thank you for giving us your good gifts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.